Chapter Twelve of For Fifteen Years by Louis Albach, translated by Elizabeth Warmly Latimer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve: The Snare. Gabrielle was right. The snare had been well prepared for her husband. Madame Jean Mortier, like a recording clerk, not in the attitude of the judge she was in fact, stood by the table which she commonly used for office work. She was expecting to be called upon to register the decision of him who was nominally the head of the slate quarry. She, too, wore a mask. She, too, played a part. She, too, was resolved, whatever happened, not to change color. The four workmen who composed the deputation were the oldest among the quarrymen, men looked up to by the others. Two of them had perfectly white hair, and he who stepped forward as their spokesman had the bearing of a soldier. Why were Florence and Roger present? It could not have been from curiosity. Was it mere accident? Might it not have been an instinct which told them that before entering on their own inquiry into murder, they had better gain experience from this somewhat similar one? Emilienne had fixed and prepared everything, but the laborers had no idea that she had put it into their heads to make this visit to Monsieur de Monterey nor had Roger and Florence any notion that it was she, in fact, who had brought them there now. What was the object of Jean Mortier's widow? Nothing well defined, but during her long years of expectation and disappointment she had never been willing to miss any chance of enlightenment, however improbable. She knew nothing more than that there were certain analogies between Pavel's deed of violence and the crime unjustly imputed to her husband and she did not calculate on any open public confession from Monsieur de Monterey in consequence. She was not so mad as to think she could unmask him, thus crush him, thus under her feet before his own family and dependents. But she did count on the nervous irritability of Gaston for leading him to commit some imprudence, by which she alone might profit, because she alone could understand its meaning she wanted indirectly to stretch him on the rack she hoped he would give roger a fresh proof of his tyranny and injustice and that florence would be more than ever impressed with a sense of his indomitable aristocratic pride she wanted to play with her victim to pat him with her claws to loose him to catch him and to frighten him before she decided on the final bite more than all she counted on this as an opportunity for making herself certain as to monsieur de monterey's guilt she wanted to be quite sure of it after fifteen years of suspicion she was uncertain still a feeling she could not herself understand of attraction and of sympathy for gabrielle something indeed that seemed like gratitude for constant kindness made her hesitate in spite of herself this time she said to herself i will arrive at certainty she felt sure the invalid who that very morning had had a scene so violent with his own son and who was assuredly still shaken by the recollection could be easily exasperated into giving her some clue to his secret either by some exclamation of impatience or some sign of suffering her only fear was that gaston who very rarely assumed his place as head of the household and who generally delegated his authority to madame de monterey or to herself might apprehend a trap 
refused to come downstairs and decline the sarcastic honor of presiding over this semi-judicial inquiry it is true that in this case his refusal to appear would partly serve her purpose that roger perhaps would take his place that gabrielle would bring excuses from her husband but this would not have served emilienne's chief end to add to madame de monterey's sufferings when nothing could be gained by it was repugnant to emilienne if monsieur de monterey did not appear she would have lost her chance and have set her trap in vain true she would feel it a point in favor of her theory of gaston's guilt if he declined to face her the answer sent down by the servant and the entrance of her adversary made madame emilienne's heart beat violently she rested both hands on the table and while she smiled politely as she bowed to the master and mistress of the quarry a savage hope sent sparkles into her dark eyes she was angry with gabrielle for coming in so conjugally so friendlily with her husband she had expected madame de monterey would be present but she had not expected she would be there to answer as it were for her husband or that they would come in together hand in hand what could have taken place upstairs she thought to bring husband and wife thus closely together during the fifteen years she had lived with them this was the first time emilienne had ever seen between them anything that indicated sympathy she grew angry and this anger detracted from her self-possession but no one present suspected what a raging fire glowed under her marble exterior gaston felt a slight color rise in his face as he entered the room he had fully prepared himself he feigned surprise and his real anxiety was in this of use to him he asked the workmen what they came for monsieur said the oldest of them the former soldier we have been near having a murder in the quarry we have come here to ask you to bring the would-be murderer to justice gaston answered quietly i knew that there had been a quarrel after a drinking bout at the cabaret and that a stab was given there is no need to call in the police to mete out punishment to either of the men who are guilty either why there was only one guilty replied the man it was only claudine who was wounded probably he himself provoked the assault pavel was entirely to blame he tried to kill claudine to get at his money were they not both drunk at the time very likely monsieur well if pavel had not struck claudine very probably claudine would have struck him as gaston said this very calmly and quietly he remembered his own words to his wife half an hour before in trying to excuse pavel he was defending himself emilienne listened with amazement she felt sure a lesson had been given to monsieur de monterey and that he had learned it thoroughly her experiment now had a new object she looked at madame de monterey who smiled faintly she was looking at roger seeming to say to him see how kind and just your father is you must not blame him well sir do you mean by that that you intend to let off the man who came near being a murderer asked the old quarryman though in a respectful tone i am not going to let him off i only say that there is no need to call in the gendarmes that kind of justice sometimes strikes too hard where is pavel emilienne here interposed he is gone she said coldly and curtly i send him back his livret 
you did the right thing madame emilienne then if he has been discharged why should you want me to do anything more about it gaston had been standing until now he here drew up an armchair and sat down in it in an easy attitude gabrielle put her arm over the back of the chair as if protecting him his being discharged does not seem to us enough replied the workman why so because of the bad example the good name of the whole quarry is involved you are very hard on a fellow workman who i dare say is sincerely sorry for what he has done his being sorry will not heal claudin would his being in prison heal him any better has not everything proper been done for the man who was wounded here gaston turned round and looked at his wife yes replied gabrielle and also for pavel's poor wife and children there you hear my friends he has a wife and children do you want to ruin them oh as to his wife we have nothing to say against her she's a good sort of creature who has the misfortune to be married to a gambler capable of anything when he gets going she is sure to die of trouble if pavel stays at liberty and gets off without punishment as to the little children all the chances are that they will grow up to be good for nothing as the man spoke gaston could not help glancing at roger who stood listening an idea came into his mind quick clever fortunate a veritable inspiration one not to have been expected to sprout in the brain of a man whose intellect had grown so sterile as his see here my good man said monsieur de monterey with bonhomie so rare and unexpected that it produced a great effect address what you have to say to these two young people my son is a man of honor and inflexible on matters of that kind as to mademoiselle florence she has been brought up by her mother and what can be said more in her favor well let us lay this matter before them come my children you shall give judgment just as if i were not present answer these good people what would you do if you were in my place emilienne disconcerted by this ingenious stroke of audacity looked at her daughter with her keen black eyes intending to prevent her accepting the position offered her which seemed in some sort a public recognition of an engagement to roger but florence did not see her look confused delighted by this unexpected consideration on the part of monsieur de monterey which seemed like an indirect reparation for what had passed that morning much touched by the idea of being thus publicly associated in a deed of humanity with roger she looked up at him with a smile that seemed to spread clemency and kindliness through the whole room she frankly stretched out her hand to roger who took it and kept it as his father shortly before had taken and retained his mother's hand then the young man feeling himself called upon to speak said with emotion yet with alacrity and cheerfulness thank you father i accept the honor you have done me of doing justice in your name florence and i have no need to deliberate to give you our judgment we went together this morning to pavel's cottage to carry him a letter which will enable him to get work in another part of the country he promised us to give up cards and drink his wife is to come here and do some work till he is ready for her gaston delighted with his own idea and its result went on it was a good thought in you to go and visit that family the idea was not ours father 
i understand said gaston he turned round and looked toward his wife it was madame emilienne said roger who sent florence on the errand all i did was to go with her gaston at once took up his advantage and with exaggerated gallantry for he had lost his sense of perspective in everything said turning to madame emilienne i am very glad we agree when a good deed has to be done you think as i do oh monsieur replied emilienne with a sadness and bitterness she struggled to conceal it was assuredly proper for me to remember the wife and child of a man accused like pavel but that would not prevent my being ardently desirous that a crime should be punished when the guilty party is known she said this without raising her voice but with a solemnity that lent weight to what she said the words of the sentence seemed to clank sonorously link by link like a long chain gaston did not appear to notice it and turning to his son he said what do you think roger has any crime been committed in this case none father oh if indeed pavel had laid in wait in the woods waiting for claudine as if he had premeditated his attack he would of course be a murderer as it is it was only a case of assault of attempted homicide this distinction struck gaston emilienne darted a quick distrustful glance at him he had a sudden contraction of the lips which she thought was possibly a smile of assent it was really a spasm of nervousness and suffering he nodded at the same time to encourage his son to go on roger pleased to be thus approved continued as pavel himself pointed out to us he struck only with his knife it was the first thing that came to hand but he had in the belt of his leathern apron a much more terrible weapon which he might have used if he had wanted to commit a murder his hammer you mean cried gaston interpreting a gesture made by roger this was a double imprudence as it roused emilienne it pained florence jean mortier's widow feeling as if she had received a sharp blow looked down to hide the flash of anger in her eyes florence turned pale roger was quite ignorant of the tragic interest excited by the word uttered by his father he had never heard of jean mortier's steel hammer he did not know what different emotions the word caused in the hearts of those who heard it he went on yes indeed if pavel had been a thorough scoundrel he would have made use of his terrible hammer men can kill with other weapons besides hammers interrupted madame jean mortier passionately this cry this burst of anger as is often the case with the most frigid and correct reasoning had no meaning to some of those present but went home to the hearts of four persons roger who thought she must be beside herself answered mildly of course but if claudine had been struck by pavel's hammer most assuredly he would have been killed outright emilienne said nothing more well then you have decided said gaston who did not care to prolong his own bravado i think pavel is a violent man of bad habits of course bad habits and violence are no excuse but they led to what has happened and are extenuating circumstances we may take that then as your opinion said gaston in a voice that might have passed for an expression of pride in his son's judgment that is my opinion and it is yours too said monsieur de monterey turning round to the young girl with something caressing in his tone 
madame emilienne who was irritated to the last degree began making a sign to her daughter to say nothing but florence carried away by roger's answer said in her turn i think so too gaston smiled his heart grew light it seemed to him that these two young people had pronounced his absolution you see he said to the workman truth proceeds out of the mouth of babes the delegates from the quarry were embarrassed dissatisfied discontented and yet this appeal to youth had touched their hearts they might have argued the matter further with monsieur de monterey but it was very hard without rudeness and harshness to oppose these two young people who were banded together to counsel brotherly kindness and who probably before long would be proprietors of the chateau and the slate quarry its dependency they looked at each other at least the dignity of the slate quarry must be saved do you mean that if pavel should come back here after drinking enough cold water to get himself sober for the rest of his days you would take him back again monsieur de monterey asked the orator sarcastically he was in fact an orator skilful in preparing for an oratorical retreat for he asked a purposely exaggerated question in order to obtain an answer that might seem favorable to him we have nothing now to do with the question of taking back a workman once discharged replied gaston anxious to end the interview what is done is done the question concerns the repentance of a man not wholly a scoundrel and how we may enable him to recover the esteem of his wife and retain the love of his children involuntarily either from genuine emotion or unconscious trickery there was a tremolo in gaston's voice which touched the hearts of those who heard him it seemed as if a new spring of real feeling unknown or misunderstood before had opened in the heart of this man heretofore so proud and rigid madame emilienne was the only person present who did not come under the spell she was conquered but not convinced she felt pushed aside challenged and wounded what was the meaning of what she felt was mere acting why had madame de monterey advised or more probably ordered this new departure on the part of her husband it was evident to her that gabrielle standing there so quietly behind her husband's chair during this scene was playing the chief part in the drama what can he be afraid of thought the widow of jean mortier is it of me i wonder then she turned things over in her mind to see if by any chance she had unconsciously done anything to make him think her more dangerous more active than ever can it be his son that he stands in awe of she said at last that may be it possibly i have said before that in fathers and mothers hearts that have the real feeling of paternity the child beloved is always dreaded as a judge there was therefore no great sagacity required in madame emilienne to conjecture that the morning's altercation between father and son had led to this device on the part of monsieur and madame de monterey if she had only known of the plan formed by florence and roger and confided by roger to his mother of course she would have been at once in possession of the truth it would have flashed upon her full complete and never to be forgotten but she thought there was no more than a love affair between the two young people and trusting them implicitly as to their conduct she only thought of it as an obstacle or the reverse with respect to her own project is it simply dread of roger's state of mind 
should he lose florence that has made such a change in monsieur and madame de monterey she thought or is it only their son they want to save and not their honor i shall know i shall know before long she added bitterly as she gazed round her at the smiles which proved that others were touched by the sight of monsieur de monterey's emotion while the workmen were taking their leave roger drew near his father florence with sweet naivete drew near him too well are you still vexed with me asked monsieur de monterey looking at his son without waiting till roger could answer gaston went on breathlessly for the fever which he had kept at bay was coming back upon him it was your own fault he cried that i treated you as i did this morning i thought you seemed as if you had no confidence in me could you suppose that i needed to be reminded that you are my own son then turning with an air of gallantry to the young girl after a fashion which was reminiscence of his old life in the fashionable world he added i hope florence you have scolded him well for the ill temper he showed me this morning he is a bad fellow he has been spoiled in paris keep him safe at home hereafter it is settled that he stays now is it not gaston was overacting he was playing the part of patriarch he stretched out his arms as he spoke with almost the effect of pronouncing a stage blessing his voice too caressing as he spoke to florence broke as he spoke of what was really his intense desire that roger should not go up to paris to say nothing of its being the result of the numerous times to which he had had recourse that day to the brandy bottle roger bewildered amazed and overjoyed thanked his father warmly gaston had crossed his arms but roger pressed on his mother's hand a long kiss of love and gratitude florence proud of this kind of amende honorable but more than all overpowered by her solemn adoption had been tempted to kneel down at the feet of madame de monterey she was restrained by a look from her mother she only bent her head therefore toward gabrielle for a maternal kiss gaston was weary and yet he wanted to complete his victory over himself and the victory which he thought he had achieved over his destiny by addressing a few polite words to madame emilienne she too she more than all the rest had to be conciliated but sudden impulses with her were dangerous he bowed to her and said i hope you are not too much displeased with me for what she asked with a bitter smile for the way in which i have settled with my workpeople the widow of jean mortier looked full at monsieur de monterey and answered frigidly i have no right to be displeased with you for that if pavel were guilty of an intention to commit murder he repents and at least he has suffered no one to be arrested in his stead he will not be the cause of the death of the innocent gaston could not help looking down and hanging his head but then this might have been only a mark of respect to the widow's sad allusion and not from any prickings of his conscience he thought he must continue to play his part by a violent burst of satisfaction at the end our children he said did well yes said emilienne as gravely as before we may always trust their good sense in everything and their good feeling added gaston their feelings would not prevent their condemning a guilty person who was false and cowardly to pay the just penalty of his crime oh we will not put them to such proof answered gaston with a short laugh 
by which he hoped to hide the trembling of his lips as he passed before madame emilienne maybe or maybe not she said hoarsely moved by uncontrollable indignation madame jean mortier had taken an instalment of her revenge that evening gaston with the same heavy step he had had when he came in went toward the inner door that led from the white parlor to the drawing-room of the chateau there he waited for gabrielle she had lingered to whisper in roger's ear my son will you stay with us now roger made no answer but again he kissed his mother's hand she had to content herself with the promise already made her vague as it was she rejoined her husband and left the room with him in the vestibule which separated the white parlor from the rest of the chateau and even before he regained his chamber gaston dropped his mask the man disgraced ashamed and guilty reappeared he said to gabrielle with a beseeching look are you satisfied with me i knew long ago that you could act falsehood to perfection how cruel you can be gabrielle was not cruel but she was resolved to punish gaston for his unnecessary bravado she dreaded his habitual exaggeration she had caught sight of the suspicion in madame emilienne's eyes and knew the threats that lay beneath it after a moment she added more kindly yes you began well do not go back you gave me courage give me more gaston held out his hand again gabrielle made believe not to see it he did not insist he laid his own hand on the banister to help himself in going upstairs then paused on the first step and said you shall see how well i will obey you you will see a chidden child could not have spoken more humbly gaston went up the stairs he felt utterly weary yet one thought fluttered in his heart and comforted him it seemed to him as if by the confession he had made his wife he had got rid of a heavy burden and that by his recent tactics he had put aside the peril with which she had threatened him but gabrielle felt no certainty without daring to hope she took comfort in thinking that a pledge of pity at some distant time had been won from their future judges as for these future judges the young lovers they were simply radiant they were trying to disguise the brightness in their hearts the joy which trembled on their lips and gleamed in their young eyes they left the white parlor by one of the glass doors accompanied by madame emilienne as her mother said nothing florence asked her softly are you displeased with us emilienne started and gave a long sad sigh her daughter repeated her question it was the same already put to her by monsieur de monterey you too you too are afraid of having displeased me she cried out why because you made a right answer and you monsieur roger why should i be displeased with you because you are a good son and a just judge no i am not displeased with you my children she spoke coldly sadly without one tear in her eyes or in the tones of her voice and she went into the part of the building she inhabited poor mamma sighed florence this scene has awakened sad memories the two young creatures with eyes downcast walked a few steps in the garden when will you get me those papers and newspapers you promised me asked roger to-morrow ah dear florence it seems to me our work will be easy enough now this is the time to set about it and to get it finished quickly does it not seem to you as if everybody is waiting for our verdict 
yes indeed how happy we shall make them yes everybody cried florence looking up to heaven with prayer and thankfulness in her eyes i did not half apologize to my father said the young man this morning i was so unjust to him and i did not half thank your mother she has been so very kind but i did not dare i was afraid of thinking only of myself everybody will be grateful to us on the day when we can tell them all the truth said roger yes everybody said florence over again they walked on in the garden wrapped in the glorious golden light of happiness dreaming dreams not of their love it would have profaned it to attempt to add to it by dreams but pondering the filial triumph which they wished to place upon it like a crown all this time gabrielle was weeping and praying with a fervency she had never felt to such a degree before she needed help from god so much she wanted to raise her soul on high out of the dirt and degradation that the confession of her husband seemed to have plunged her into madame emilienne shut up in her own room more gloomy more bitter than ever was going over all the painful memories of her past life those of old times those recent those of that very morning what makes them so afraid of their son she said over and over again to herself and nothing as yet gave that question any answer as for gaston when he got back into his room he felt so weak that he flung himself into an easy chair and seizing the brandy bottle drank and drank till confidence and strength returned all the time deceiving himself by the idea i am saved and trying to increase his sense of that security by getting very tipsy End of chapter twelve